Well, uh, I would like to talk about Jesus a little bit today. I think Jesus is awesome. I've got a healthy dose of respect for Jesus, the things that he said, his actions, the way he handled situations. Um, In fact, so much so, I'd like, I wish I knew a little bit more about that. And I guess really what I would like to know is just, what was Jesus just really like all the time? I mean, anybody can, you know, you hear the stories of him preaching to the people at the lake or whatever, uh, but anybody can get a speech together, you know. Anybody can throw in some humor and get their lines down, and, but then be somebody completely different on Tuesday at 1.38 in the afternoon, right? I wish I had more examples of who Jesus was then, uh, just, to, just to know what it was like to just walk with him, you know. Did he like Coke or Pepsi? <laughs> Boxers or briefs? No, oh, man, I don't, that's, that's right. Um, but how did he handle difficult situations? I'd like to know that better. Or maybe difficult people. Or uh, non-compliant children. Or like grumpy people, maybe. How, how did he, how was he and how did he... Deal with situations like that. I just, I wish I could have just walked with him every day to see what he said to people, how he countered people's negativity or their strongholds or their, their holdouts or their impossibilities. Um, I wish I just knew how he did those things better. Well, I'm going to be in John chapter one today. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John is where we'll be. I'm just going to read down a couple stories through John chapter 1. We've got a couple examples of how he is, how he was, how he would be, what he said. I don't know. I think it's just interesting. This is verse 32 of John 1. John the Baptist gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him when I baptized him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and I testify that this is, the, this is God's chosen one. The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. John had a lot of followers and two of them were there. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, there's the Lamb of God. He's the one that I baptized. Now, this instance right here has happened uh, some 50 days or so after the actual baptism. Jesus had gone into the desert for the 40 days of, of fasting and tempting by the devil. But now he's back, and he's come back in the power of the Spirit. And he's ready to go and ready to start his ministry. And this is actually day one of that, really. Jesus comes back to the area where John's baptizing. John says, That's that. there he is right there. Well, he just kind of looks normal. (laughs) Any other man? There were plenty of guys named Joshua slash Jesus walking around, so he didn't have an extraordinary name or anything. But he did have the power of the Spirit. So how, how would he be? John says, there he is, right there. How would he be? Well, the first thing I would like to point out to you today is that Jesus is invitational. Okay, so you might just be introduced to Jesus, the man. What's he like? 
You, you've just been told he's the chosen one. So you, you've got a first impression going in. I'm going to check this out and see if he's really different. And the first thing you would find is that he's invitational. So those two disciples that John said, there he is, they followed Jesus while he was walking. Kind of stalking, right? Just kind of their example of Facebook, I guess, maybe is what it was. They followed. And so Jesus sees that they're following. And in verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? I don't know if they knew exactly what to say because <laughs> they got caught. But I don't think they're, they're asking, okay, do you live on 5th Avenue or 6th Avenue? They're saying, we'd like an avenue in to just see who you are and talk to you and spend some time with you. And Jesus knew that. And so, come and see, Jesus says. See, he's invitational. There's nothing like, get away, guys. There's no get away. There's no shoe. There's no, hey, leave me alone. I want my own time. It's really invitational. It's like wide open and vulnerable. And uh, there's just no roadblocks. There's no fakeness. Come, see. It's just really invitational. So they went and they saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So there they go. They spent the whole day with him. And I just wish I would have known what was said and what was talked about. Because that's, it says four, but you would have known. This is some Monday at 1.38 in the afternoon. And this is what Jesus is like. I wish there was more details there. So Andrew... Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John had said, and he had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, this is Peter, and tell him, we found the Messiah. John said, he's the chosen one, and we found him. I actually spent a day with him and listened to him. So whatever was said, whatever was done, however Jesus was like during that day, Andrew came out of there saying, yeah, yeah. This guy's different. Oh, I just wish I would have known. Well, we'll get a little more into that. I wish I would have known what was said there, though. Tell me what was said. And so he went and found Simon. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You're Simon, son of John. You'll be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter or Rock. All right, I'm going to come back to that a little bit in a second. But the second thing that I would want to show to you today is that not only is Jesus invitational... But he's going to come find you. He's going to come find you. And so that's the next verse. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And you might know he's headed up there to Cana towards a wedding. And that wedding had family members of his. So he's got to get out of town. All right? And head up there. So finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So he went and found Philip. Again... I wish I knew. I know that Philip was one of John's disciples and had sat around John and heard him talk. And so Philip, Andrew, Peter, all these guys are in. They know that John is different. They've sat under him, talked with him. And they know that John keeps talking about one that's going to follow, one that I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. So they're just waiting, 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 waiting. And then John says, there he is. And then that same Jesus goes to Philip and finds him. What if that was you? It is you. 
Jesus is out looking for you. And once found, he wants to invite, follow me. He is like that. You and I both know that he leaves the 99 to find the one that's gone astray. He's going to come find you. And there's just something about him and that personality that he is interested in you. You got to think he's a pretty busy guy, but he's interested in you. This is maybe the dad you never had. This is maybe uh, that teacher that actually liked you instead of you just feeling like you were another student. Jesus is that person that actually was fond of you. I don't know if you ever had anybody like that, or maybe you can identify one person out of the hordes that stuck out. Well, here's another one for you. Jesus, he's going to come and find you. The next thing I'd like to say is that Jesus is going to connect you. Philip, verse 45, found Nathaniel. We also know him as Bartholomew. I don't know. If I had a buddy named that, I'd shorten that one down. But I'd even shorten it down further than Nathaniel. I don't even know if I'd hang around with a guy named Bartholomew. I don't know. But that Philip did, and the first thing Philip did is go find him. And he told him, we have found the one. Here's what these guys are saying. Anybody who has an, an example of time with Jesus is saying, yeah, he is the one. There's just something about him, what he says, what he does, that they just know. Aside from John's testimony. Because even though John said there he is, they still wanted to follow. Philip followed. In fact, he went and found a friend, Nathaniel. We found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one we've been waiting for for thousands of years. We found him. Oh, come on. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, Nathaniel asked, can anything good come out of there? And here we see Philip, who's all of a sudden become invitational as well. Well, just come and see. All you got to do is get around him, hear him, see him, and you're going to know. Now, before we get to Nathaniel's story, Jesus is going to connect you. We already saw Andrew. The first thing he did was go out and find Simon. These guys are all John's disciples. They're all kind of part of a club that are interested in what John is saying. They have been part of the masses that have gone out to John because they're all part of a corrupt system, a society that's probably got away from God. They're full of a bunch of grumpy people because Rome is in charge rather than maybe God or that. But even if Rome wasn't in charge and the Sadducees, Pharisees, and the priests were in charge, that really wouldn't be any better. You know, things just really are not good. But John comes on the scene, and he is definitely different. And even as odd and unique as John is, he's a mover and a shaker, and the people go out to hear because they're just hungering for somebody and something different. They're hungry for some meat and some sustenance. They're hungry for someone who could possibly overturn all of the entrenched tables and just make things better. Well, you got your buddy Philip that comes up to you and says, we got him. We found him. He's Jesus from Nazareth. 
And you're so used to things being bad and not the way they should be and wrong. And you're thinking somebody from the little town of Nazareth up in the hills is going to come down to city Jerusalem and set things straight. Come on, man. No way. Nazareth. Are you kidding me? Come and see. I'm not going to argue you into this, Nathaniel. Just come and check the guy out. Jesus will connect you. If you're looking, he'll find you. If you are looking, he will find you. Then he will invite you. And then he will connect you. There's just something about him. There's just something about him. Now, you've got to see this story. Nathaniel apparently says, well, okay. Philip, I, I trust you. I'll go with you. So the next thing I would say is that Jesus knows you. But before I read the story, let's just see what he did with Simon Peter. I just read it. He goes up to Simon Peter and says, you are Simon, son of John. You're going to be called Peter, Cephas. These are just same names, different languages. Cephas and Peter, different languages for rock. And you know Peter putting his foot in his mouth all the time and very impulsive and can't control his tongue. We get all kinds of examples, even the three denials. But the first thing that he says to Peter is, you're a rock. Understand what Jesus has done here. He's taken a man who is impulsive and all about himself and going to go do what he wants to do and nobody's going to tell me my business, a very type A energetic, maybe bombastic person. And the instant Jesus meets him, Jesus says, I'm in control, Peter. But he does it in a nice way, saying and uplifting Peter and saying, you're going to be a rock. (sighs) Jesus has probably prayed to his father in heaven saying, Peter, God, that's who you want. Peter, one of the 12, you sure about that one? (laughs) So over all of that prayer, Jesus, knowing who Peter is is in his heart, he sets the stage immediately the minute that he meets him. For you, he knows you. He knows if you're type A or if you're not type A. He knows if you're aggressive or if you're passive. He knows if you talk a bunch or don't talk a bunch. Introverted, extroverted. He knows you, and when he meets you, he will say exactly the right thing because he knows you. He knows you through and through. And I hope with this story with Nathaniel, I can show that to you because Nathaniel even says, How do you know me? And it wasn't just because you haven't met me, it's just because you knew my heart. All right, here it goes. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, okay, so Philip's got Nathanael. He's bringing him to Jesus. When Jesus saw him approaching, he's ready. He knows Nathanael. He knows exactly what to say. Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. That's what he says. Can you see Jesus sort of being a politician? Because he's, he's trying to get a movement together. Wants to get everybody on, you know, wants to get on everybody's good side, wants to be interesting, wants to create a good first impression. So here's a good, honest man right here. This is what we're looking for a good, honest man. 
Is that what he says there? It's kind of that. Here's a good, here's a, here's a true Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Well, that's a nice affirmational thing to say. And from that, we can say that probably Nathaniel was a good guy, an honest guy, wanted things to be right. He was a disciple of John. So he was an, on an active search for God. Here is a true Israelite in whom there's no deceit. It goes more than just, here's a good, honest man. What Jesus is really saying to Nathaniel here is, here is a true Jacobite in whom there's no Jacob. It's a really neat way to say it. And Nathaniel, being the man who he is, would know exactly what Jesus is trying to say there. And it's exactly the right thing to say to him. Are you aware of Jacob in the Old Testament? He made a life of being deceitful. I'm just going to read this really quick. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire the Lord, and the Lord said, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were two twin boys in her womb. The first came out, he was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. Wouldn't that just be adorable to see that? So he named, so he was named Jacob, which in Hebrew means heel grasper. So he was aptly named for the situation. Isaac, or Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to him. So this boy was named heel grasper. And he actually became stronger than his firstborn brother Esau. And if you remember, took the blessing, um, took the birthright, just a deceitful and Esau was like, save him. Isn't he, isn't he rightfully called Jacob, heel grasper? Well, the heel grasper, what does that mean? Well, what happens when I say I'm pulling your leg? It's, I'm teasing you, right? I'm deceiving you. This is what they called him. And his life totally lived all of that out. All right. Now, Jacob, God got rid of that name and called him, renamed him Israel. And it's Jacob who had the 12 sons who became the 12 tribes. And all of those descendants became the nation of Israel. So when Jesus walks up to Nathanael, he is ready with this. Here's a true Israelite, a true Jacobite, same guy, two different names. But also, this is a true one. He doesn't have any of the Jacob in him. No deceit in him whatsoever. It's really kind of cool. So... I get the feeling that Nathaniel is an honest guy as long as the day is, right? But I get the feeling that he's grumpy because he's like, Nazareth? Come on. There's no way nothing's going to happen from Nazareth. There's too much entrenched for somebody from Nazareth to do anything about this. So he's just like you and me, probably. He doesn't like this president or he didn't like the last president. He just mad at the way things are going. He doesn't make enough money. 
He'd make a lot more money if things were better, if the guys in government could get it right. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, they're never going to agree on anything, and all of the politics prevents just the good that should be happening from being done. So he's like you. Congress has a 17% approval rating. Not so great, right? Because everybody knows it's just politics. And this is where Nathaniel is. My grandpa used to go up every, <laughs> every day. I took a break from the farm and we'd go uptown in Scranton. And he'd go up to this shop where you know, there was a guy who was a mechanic. And there was a couple of fellas that would meet in there and they would just talk. And it's kind of funny because my grandpa would call it the university. I'm going up to the university. <laughs> I don't think there was a whole lot of teaching going on. But I do know there was a whole lot of just complaining about everything. Can you, you, can you see what I'm saying? You go up, hang out with the fellas, drink coffee, and just complain about everything, right? This is probably what Nathaniel was like, a complainer. But deep down in, Nathaniel was like, if we could get things right, and I know how to get things right, if it could just be that way, but he'd probably long given up on it. But Jesus comes along and with one sentence sparks the deep down buried part of his heart and gets Nathaniel to see maybe we got a chance here and maybe this guy is the one that could do it. Here's a true Israelite. Here's a true Jacobite, descendant of Jacob, but there ain't no Jacob in him. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip even went and found you. Okay, so the first sentence out of his mouth is impressive. How do you know me? I've never met you before. You've never met me. I don't think anybody told you about me. How do you know me? I saw you under the fig tree before Philip even went and got you. Now Nathaniel knows no, you didn't. Nobody was around that fig tree when I was there. You certainly weren't there. Nobody saw me under that fig tree. How do you know? Nathaniel knows that this is a miracle. And he knows that Jesus wasn't there and saw him, but yet just said he saw him. So Nathaniel's response is, Rabbi, you're the son of, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. The king of Israel, kind of an odd, nobody ever referred to Jesus as that. But we just had a whole bunch of Israel talk there and Jacob talk. You are the king of Israel because nobody saw me under that fig tree. Now, the fifth thing I would like to show you today is that Jesus will wow you. He is so exciting. Look at what he says to Nathaniel. Hey, you think because I said I saw you under the fig tree that that's a big deal? You will see greater things than that. He's beginning to spark this grumpy, grumpy, snide, sarcastic guy. And he's bringing, him, bringing his heart out that's been buried for so long. Hey, you're going to see better things than that, Nathaniel. Well, Nathaniel is already flat on his back from the miracle that he just saw. And now Jesus promises even better things Greater things? I tell you the truth, Nathaniel. You'll see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Okay, well, what does that mean? 
Well, it goes right back to Jacob. Evidently, Nathaniel liked Jacob. Maybe even if Nathaniel was under that fig tree, which is what they did to kind of meditate, maybe Nathaniel's thinking about all of these things, and Jesus walks up and just taps his brain and says, I know you, I know where you were, I know what you were thinking. And the words that come out of Jesus' mouth are perfect. You're going to see greater things than that, Nathaniel. In other words, you haven't seen anything yet, Nathaniel. You believe in me by one sentence that I saw you under the fig tree. You haven't seen anything. Wow, what an invitation to come follow me. And Nathaniel sure did. All right. Did they ever see angels ascending and descending on me, the Son of Man? Well, the New Testament never records that. But what Jesus is saying is, hey, Nathaniel you really had kind of given up on God. You didn't think it could be done. I'm telling you, I'm here, and you didn't even know it. But it's good that now you do. That's what happened to Jacob. Um, I'm just going to read that story real quick to you. Jacob left Beersheba. He set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and laid down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. The angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants, your 12 sons and their descendants, the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you'll spread out from the west to the east, to the north to the south. All peoples, Jacob, on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Wow. What would Jesus say to you? How would he tap your heart? Look at verse 15 in Genesis 28. I am with you, Jacob, and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. He thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't even know it. He was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And so he named it Bethel, which means house of God, Bethel. And then Jacob made a vow. If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat, clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. That story was Jacob's invitation. Jacob, I will give you this land and I will be with you and I will bless the people of the earth through you. It's probably not going to be your lot in life. But Jesus has something for you. Nathaniel, you haven't seen anything yet. 
You're going to see angels ascending on me. What he's saying to Nathaniel is this. I'm right here, Nathaniel. And you didn't even know it. And he hearkens back to the story of Jacob, which Nathaniel knew full well. And he probably thought this. That's so long ago, Jesus. The story of Jacob is so long ago. It just doesn't happen that way anymore. I mean, until John, there was 400 years where nobody even received the word of the Lord at all. Nathaniel was a man who had given up. And within a couple, three sentences, he's back in the game and his heart is ready to go because he was wowed by Jesus. You. He knows you. He's going to come find you. He's going to invite you. He's going to connect you. And he's going to wow you. And he wants to say to you today, you haven't seen anything yet. How do we just get on board with that? If you consider, what would Jesus say to me as he saw me approaching? Well, he knows you. What would he say? I don't know. And I'd love for you to have the chance of him actually approaching and him actually saying what he would say to you. But I do know this. Even if we can't literally go through that experience like Nathaniel did, we can reconstruct our thinking of his capability and who he is and his perception of you through that. I know. I can't tell the story very well. But you can see what happened here. And you do not need to say, it doesn't happen like that anymore, though. It does. And he will. And he wants to invite you, connect you, and wow you. And completely turn the tables on your perception of yourself and how he wants to work through you and how he wants to be your friend. We're going to have the team come on up for an invitation time. All of these people we talked about today had an encounter with Jesus. They were moved and they were changed, and they all followed. Jacob said, this is it. If he's going to go with me, I'm going to go with him, and I'm going to give him 10% of everything. He made a commitment to God. The other guys in the New Testament we talked about, they made that commitment as well to follow, and those guys that we all talked about there became some of the 12, They were followers, and they lost their life, some of them even their head for that. So today, what? I I know that you haven't maybe had the experience like they had. Maybe it's not so vivid as what they experienced there. But as you consider, as you consider your, your different perception of yourself, and if you could maybe just... Like Jacob say, God, if if you really do it like that still today, I want to be a part of it. I want to go. Here's my commitment to you. This is our opportunity during the service for you to make a commitment, whatever that might be, wherever God might have your heart. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. But this is your consideration now as we sing. What's the commitment? 
What's the commitment? I know you maybe don't know exactly what he would say to you, but you are aware that he knows you, that he wants to say something to you. He wants to get across a message to you and he wants to wow you. So you today, as we sing, make your commitment to him, whatever it might be.